0: Hi, everyone. On this edition of Scouting for Growth, I will be talking to Paul Retzer, the founder and CEO of the Marketing Artificial Intelligence Institute, a platform focused on helping marketeers build a competitive edge with AI by providing strategic expert content, online education, interactive tools, as well as live events. Since 2016, Paul published 900 articles to enable the marketeers of tomorrow to leverage AI in their day-to-day jobs. Paul's focus today is on making artificial intelligence approachable and actionable for all, helping change makers within small and large companies to drive change. With a degree in journalism, Paul has consulting hundreds of organizations, including startups and Fortune 500s. On our podcast today, we will cover six main points from degree in journalism and why the Marketing AI Institute, why the Marketing AI book two, what are people looking for when they connect with the Marketing AI Institute, Train to watch out for in the future, five step to marketing process, top AI platform you should be using to improve your marketing effectiveness. I do use some. So you will see very interesting conversations. So let's welcome Paul. Hi, Paul. Welcome Hello, to the So good to Thank have you here.
1: Thank you for having me. I enjoyed our last conversation so much. I've been looking forward to doing this on recording and and kind of getting into some of the ai topics it's uh, should be a lot of fun
0: it should be a lot of fun so you know i think it's very important for people to know who you are yeah. and so when i looked at your bio i saw that you started with journalism and now you build the marketing ai institute so can you tell us a little bit more about you
1: Yeah. So I did come out of journalism school after a failed attempt at pre-med. I lasted about four weeks in pre-med and and realized that was not my calling. So I I ended up uh, going through the journalism school at Ohio University. And I came out and worked at an agency, a marketing agency, marketing and PR. Uh, And then I started my own in 2005. So I, I ended up running an agency for 16 years. But At our core, what we did was storytelling. We did a storytelling to drive growth. People would come to us and want to generate leads and grow their brand and grow their audience. And we use content to do that. And so in 2011, when I became curious about artificial intelligence, more just personally, and, and then with one idea for how to apply it to business, I didn't understand what it was. I had no background as, as we'd said, like I was not an AI guy. I was not a data scientist. I wasn't anything from a technical perspective but I was working in marketing automation, working at the kind of the forefront of marketing technology as a HubSpot partner and as an agency. And so I just started trying to figure out what is AI um, and how can it be used? How is it going to change marketing? And that led five years later to the creating of Marketing AI Institute. And the whole premise was let's tell the story of AI. That's what we're uniquely capable of doing. And let's try and make it make sense to other people. And that, that really kind of became what we have today. We have 35,000 subscribers and, um, you know, but it started with me and, and a few other people just trying to tell the story of AI. And that's still what I see our kind of mission today is that tell the story, make it understandable and approachable to people.
0: And it, you know, AI has actually grown so much. You know, when I look at some of my analysis, you know, probably 200 billion has been invested in AI startups. And you are focusing on a very specific uh, sliver of AI, which is marketing. I actually took a quote from your book behind you, which is Marketeers write all the rules, they build the plan produce the producer, creative, run the promotions, personalize the customer experience, and analyze performance. Traditional marketing is all human, all the time. But artificial intelligence processes, the power change is coming from that. So what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, it's so I, I think it was in my second book in 2014, I wrote that the great irony of marketing automation is that it's manual. So in 2005 to 2015 realm, we were being taught marketing automation. We needed marketing automation products. We're buying all these marketing automation solutions for advertising and email and social and CRM and sales. And, and the irony is they're human-based rules. Like it, the software doesn't do anything that we don't tell it to do. It doesn't get smarter. It doesn't make recommendations of actions. It doesn't do anything. It's like, we just write these rules. And so that's, you know, I think the irony of traditional marketing and and business too, is that we think the software is automating things and it's, it, it is, but not intelligently. And so the whole premise of AI is it's just smarter technology. It is taking the ways we do marketing and business and thinking of how do we infuse smarter technology to intelligently automate this. So the machine learns as new data comes in it evolves what it does. It improves its recommendations to us. It becomes a more valuable assistant to the marketer, the professional. And that's really the whole premise is like, how do we build smarter marketing? How do we build smarter businesses?
0: And that is very important because what you are doing is really aligning and really understanding how Automation can enable jobs to be done better, but it doesn't mean that marketing is done better. So you still need this human intelligence and this creativity as well to actually play. And when you look at, you know, some of the statistics which have come out there around, you know, AI is going to destroy the world and taking everybody's job. Actually, probably marketing, the only way you can differentiate is making sure those creative brains are still a part of the game.
1: Yeah, I think there's some fear, you know, we, we asked these questions in our annual survey of what are the obstacles to AI adoption. And uh, oddly enough, like fear is very low rate. I want to say like 16% of people. I I don't know if that's true. I, I do think that there's, for people who don't understand what it is, I think there is a bit of a fear factor. Um, you know, I think more so than people would be willing to admit. And I think it's just because it's an abstract topic. And when you don't understand something, it's natural to fear it, think it's going to just take your job. So if you're a, you're a copywriter and you hear GPT-3 can write copy for me, I can go buy a tool to write copy. Or if you're a designer and you hear about Dolly 2 and this thing that can generate images, the immediate reaction is it can do what? Like that's what I do because you don't, you don't understand what it is and you don't understand how it's actually maybe going to enhance your creativity and give you the ability to scale your creative practice. And so that's a lot of what we're trying to do is create an understanding, remove the fear, make it so it's not abstract to people so that you can realize that it's here, it's not going away. Like, let's just embrace the fact that it exists and it's capable of doing these things, but let's find how can we use it to benefit humans, to benefit marketers and business professionals and leaders. And it's just not that clear to people because they often don't get past the basic understanding level
0: you actually use a very crucial word, which is scaling. And today, when we look at the world we are in, which is a creator economy, the only way you can actually be a creator and actually create for yourself and others is by scaling. So those tools are really important and really actually useful because I use some of them. And it's interesting, you're talking about you know some software which is able to write for you. So we need to talk about that a little bit later, because I'm mm-hmm. sure some of our listeners will want to hear your top tips. However, tell me a little bit more about the Marketing AI Institute. How did that come about?
1: Yeah, so basically, back in like 2014, I wrote my second book, and it was called The Marketing Performance Blueprint. And it was uh, how, how to basically build modern marketing, um, talent, tech, and strategy. So if you're an organization, how do we look at our talent, our technology, and our strategy to drive growth? And within that, so this is middle of 2014, right in the manuscript, I had now been looking into artificial intelligence for a few years. And so I decided that in the technology section, we would write a little bit about AI and kind of my theory of how once marketing and sales adopts it, how it could change the industry. And in that time, there really wasn't anything being written about AI that wasn't written by AI researchers and engineers. So they weren't writing to business people, they weren't trying to explain it to marketers, they were just talking to each other about deep learning and machine learning and neural nets and all this stuff. So we came at it and said, "Well, let's let's write about this, like what could happen." Well, as soon as that book came out, the only thing people wanted me talking about. Now, keep in mind the AI section was like 700 words out of a 50,000-word manuscript. All my public speaking became about AI. So I did South by Southwest, I did the MarTech conference, inbound, constant marketing world, Like, and so I just started traveling the world talking about artificial intelligence for marketing at a time when you couldn't actually go buy AI tools for marketing. It was more futurist kind of stuff. And so that really was the starting point. And we're like, wow, people are interested in this and we're interested in this and we don't really know where it's going. So let's just start telling that story. So me and another guy from my agency started the blog and we started publishing a couple of times a week, doing research, interviewing vendors, interviewing entrepreneurs, trying to figure out what was going on, like, what was possible today? Where was it going? What vendors should we be using? What vendors should we be profiling for other people? And it, you know, kind of evolved from a blog. And then in 2019, we turned, um, we launched marketing ad conference or Macon. Uh, we had 300 people from 12 countries come to the first event. And then we're sort of off and running and then, you know, the pandemic hit and we weren't off and running anymore. We couldn't, we couldn't hold a conference. So we launched an online education platform for on-demand courses. And then this year we were back together in person. So yeah, it just, and in the process, I sold my agency to to focus all my time on, on AI. So yeah, I mean, it was, it just, it came out of curiosity and a belief that AI is going to change everything, every industry, every profession, and we needed to do our small part to educate people and create interest and, and demand for knowledge, basically.
0: What fascinates most, uh, what fascin- fascinates me the most is that um, cutting-edge thinking. And you said yourself that what people were more interested in it was not even about the, about the profession actually, when you wrote the second book and you were traveling the world talking about AI. They were still interested about the technology, but the technology is just an enabler because you still need to understand the profession, the strategies and how the tool will help you. So my next question to you is using the, you know, the three horizon model, right? The McKinsey three horizon model, uh, where you, you look at early stage and you look at the technology to do efficiency, innovation, you know, to improve your processing. And then you look at sustaining innovation where you're actually looking at how you can build new product and services, maybe for marketing or for selling. And then lastly, the game-changing stuff. What have you seen on your road trips, on your interviews, on things which actually going to evolve and revolutionize the world of marketing 3i today? Yeah, I,
1: I think we're very early. You know, for people that are just hearing this and thinking, oh, maybe it it's not that abstract, maybe we can actually do this in our business. Uh, adoption levels are very early. Um, and the, the organizations that are adopting AI are, many of them are still at the piloting phase where they're just, you know, trying to do a few, uh, quick win pilot projects. They're testing the technology. They're not all in yet. And so one, I think there's a massive opportunity for people, uh, two, The way I think about it is I I tend to bucket it into three main categories of language, vision, and prediction. So most AI applications will fall underneath a language, which is the machine, the software, the hardware, ability to understand and generate human language. Vision is image recognition, image generation, things like that. And then prediction is all the areas where we're trying to predict things, personalization, recommendations, patterns, things like that. So the innovation happening in the language and vision space is is mind-blowing so the the rate at which those technologies are advancing it's almost hard to comprehend and i i watch the space closely but you know for example we mentioned like dolly 2 came out in april of this year where you can give a text prompt to something and it generates an image an original image um you've had a bunch of spin-offs since then like mid journey and google Imagen came out in may so this idea of being able to generate images using a text prompt is, is taking off like nothing I've seen in the space before. Then you have the same ability with language generation, where all these tools being developed on top of like GPT-3 and these other language models, where I can go and get a, subscribe to a technology that can help me write drafts of blog posts or social media shares, or ad copy or emails, whatever it is. So what's happening is that the, the technology is becoming readily available. And that's what did not exist three years ago, five years ago. So when I was first touting this in like 2015 and 16, I couldn't tell you speaking, like, go, go try these three tools. Like you'll see for yourself there that didn't exist. Now today I can, I give even live as a 20, like go, go check them out yourself. Like you'll be blown away. And so that I think was just the rate of change and the tech's getting pretty good, uh, pretty fast to where you can start to now envision it being integrated into marketing teams and sales teams and customer experience teams and. At, at higher business functions as well.
0: One thing you need to say, Paul, it's good, but it's not perfect because you have tried. Some no,
1: Gosh,
0: and everybody no. <laughs> needs to make sure that so the text makes sense.
1: We're not replacing humans anytime soon. It is we, you know, we have we talk about in the book this marketer to machine scale. You can apply the same thing to business. It's just like levels of intelligent automation, levels of assistance from the AI, and we are not going to full autonomy. We're not hiring. AI writers to replace writers, or AI designers to replace designers, or AI business strategists to replace the humans are very much in the loop. In the vast majority of this technology, um, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. We're 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 not trying to replace humans in any
0: sense. So, what you see are the main trends we need to watch out when we think about AI marketing and you know technology trends in general. Yeah.
1: I, I I just I think it is the practical application of AI infused into almost everything we do. so the the highest level trend is like AI is infused into your daily life as a consumer. So in Spotify recommending um, shows, podcasts and music and Netflix recommending movies and TV shows and Gmail finishing your sentences and Google Maps routing you around traffic and TikToks for you page, like it is ever present. So you, you can't go a day without using AI dozens of times, but you don't think about it that way. You're, you're never stopping and thinking like, thank goodness for machine learning, my, my for you page on TikTok is phenomenal. Um, but in business and marketing and sales, it's not that way. AI is not infused into every piece of software we use. It's a lot of traditional software still where we're writing all those rules. And so the biggest trend to me is right now this gradual infusion of smarter technology, of of AI being infused into the software we use every day, where all of a sudden you go into Google Docs and you have the option to summarize the document in the top left. I don't know if you've seen this, but like content summarization is a really hard challenge of AI. Taking an original doc and not copying and pasting, but actually understanding the thousand words and then in 20 words, summarizing what's in there. So you're gonna start seeing all these elements of AI just showing up, like finishing your sentences in Gmail, that that just kind of showed up. Um, that's the trend I'm seeing is this gradual infusion of AI into all the software we use, but it's gonna take a while. It's gonna take years before it's at the level it is with our consumer life.
0: I and mean, sometimes some of those tools, annoys me because they try to finish stuff and they don't even <laughs> understand what i was saying so it's always finding the right balance you know when you're actually typing on your uh, mobile phone on whatsapp and then they are finishing your sentence that's not what i was going to say so there is always a balance around things but you're highlighting some sort of fu- fundamental changes you mentioned gmail finishing your sentences but other things i saw in your book is Alex Science series answering your questions. Amazon creating your next purchase. Apple unlocks your iPhone by scanning your, your face, which we experience every day. Um, Netflix recommending new shows and movies, which are the best for you. Spotify learning the music you like and you love and actually pushing the, the best songs for you. Tesla, autopiloting, steering, accelerating, and braking your car. And I think when we go into some of these, uh, new new world, right? I mean, when I look a lot at, at sustainability and electric vehicle and the future autonomous driving, you can see artificial intelligence being embedded in a lot of things we do. So those are great realities, right? And um, they are p- impacting our daily lives. What do you think this is going to be the implication for for employees? And you said we can't replace people, but imagine today we are all working remotely, Paul. So how do we embed those things when you look at big companies, smaller companies? How do we make this part of our daily lives?
1: We need to take a concentrated effort to do it because in our research, when we asked about the obstacles to adoption, the number one is lack of education and training, 63%. Um, It was 70% last year, so at least it's improving, but it's the number one obstacle by far. And then we ask, does your organization have any AI education and training? And I think it's like 13% said yes, or 11% said yes. And I've talked with the presidents and deans of, of schools, universities. They're not doing it. Like, I mean, they are within computer science, but in terms of the business school, um, it's guest lectures right now. And maybe if they're running conferences, that's how it's being brought into university but it would be very rare to find an intro to AI class at a business school right now um, in any university. So I, I, I think that what needs to happen is we need forward thinking leaders at, at these brands, at these agencies, at the different organizations to realize the transformational effect AI is going to have on not only their marketing, sales, service, product, you know how they run the business, but their workforce. And they need to be proactive in training and upskilling. So we don't have fear that people actually understand what the role of AI is going to be within the organization. And they seek opportunities to learn that. And in some cases create new roles for themselves. Like I was talking with somebody recently about, you know, do we need an AI ops person that looks across marketing sales service product and constantly tries to find smarter, more efficient ways to do things because. You can't rely on the head of customer experience to know what AI is and figure it out or the head salesperson. So I, I just, I feel like over the next five to 10 years, there's going to be a massive transformation in the understanding of AI, but it's going to need to be proactive right now. I think the organizations that accept that and build around that are going to have massive advantages in the coming years.
0: Why do you think there is this, this gap in business school around educating around AI? Is it because business school is about business and administration and learning the skill of finance and, and business in general? So therefore, if you want to learn about maybe AI, you have to go to MIT. What, why?
1: Uh, I think it's just part the nature of universities. They can't adapt that quickly. The curriculum can't change that fast. The second is, I don't know who the professors would be that again, this is Sony, like, where are you going to get the people who are business people, you know, entrepreneurs, former business leaders who also understand AI and come in and teach it. So even if you wanted to build this into curriculum, there aren't professors sitting out there that have spent their career learning this stuff and doing it. So I think it's a bit of a supply and demand in a number of ways. And then I think it's just, I think there's this fatigue, honestly, of, you know, the 2010, 2010, it was the big data. And before that it was mobile. And before that it was whatever type of digital transformation we were dealing with. And I think a lot of people just thought AI was the same thing. It was just like the next hot thing. And they weren't realizing it was actually the underpinning to all of it, that, that the future of everything was going to be based off of more intelligent technology. And so I think there's a lot of slow movers. Uh, but I feel like we're nearing a tipping point. I think that there's due to the work of like AWS and Microsoft and Google and Meta and NVIDIA and Salesforce and like all these major tech companies that are pouring billions into AI research and talent development, the rest of the business world is starting to like look over and say, oh, okay. So we actually need to like dedicate learning to AI and dedicate technology budgets and things like that. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's, there's a lot of factors that have been working against, uh, higher education solving for this but I've had a lot of conversations with professors who are moving now to do it. like building their first AI course within the business uh, community. So hopefully we see a lot more of that.
0: Yeah, no, we definitely need more of them um, because, you know, AI is not new. And uh, as you and I know, we have a lot of talent out there able to teach it. But I mean, when you look at the scale, there are very few. So what for you is a profile of the next generation marketing expert then? You know, what do they need to have in their toolkit to be successful
1: for me it's it starts with just embracing change and again accepting that we don't have a choice like the AI is going to get better at generating language they're going to continually improve at image generation and in the near fume video generation outside of just deep fakes, I'm talking about text prompts that generate video clips like we're probably not far off from stuff like that so I think just accepting the fact that this is not some next small element of digital transformation like this is the thing this is potentially the most transformative thing we're going to see in our lifetime and it's going to continue to accelerate and so the next gen marketer next gen business leader to us is the, are the it's the are the people who embrace this idea that technology is going to keep racing forward and we have to understand it and we have to build smarter businesses around it And so we look at like creativity, personalization, intelligent automation, enhanced decision making. Like those are some core areas that AI is going to make a major impact within every business in every industry.
0: When you look at those changes as a result, Paul, you know, how do business measure change? How do they establish the right metrics when you look at, you know, probably a business which is very traditional? And then a business which now is using, you know, this amazing technology, providing better language, better vision, better performance, better metrics. I mean, some of the platforms that I use allows me to know exactly what happens with my social media. So therefore I can tweak my strategies. So what are the metrics we need to look at?
1: The, I mean, at a macro level, the two reasons you would use AI are to reduce costs and accelerate growth. like. So just high level if it's not doing one of those two things then you know it might not be worth doing. But then I look at kind of more of a use case level. You mentioned social media. Um we talked about content. I I would measure it based on that use case. So okay, I my job is to take blog posts, podcasts, webinars each month and create 30 to 50 social shares across these different social networks. So what I would do is document my current process and how much time it takes me to do it. And what is the outcome I'm achieving? And when I buy smarter technology, I want to evaluate it against those things. It's like, okay. So I used to have to do these seven things. The AI now does five of them for me. That's, that's great. I was spending 30 hours a month. I'm now spending 12 and I was getting X amount of traffic or clicks or whatever your metric is. And I've seen a 20% uptick in that. So what you want to do is take the specific thing you're getting an AI tool to do. Think about your process, your inputs, you know, time you're putting in and the outputs you're creating. And you want to have a side by side that says, okay, so if I'm going to buy your technology for $300 a month, this is the value I expect to get out of this. This is what I think this will look like three months, six months, a year from now.
0: In your book, actually, you were very clear around looking at some of of, of those metrics and accelerated revenue growth and then driving costs down. And Mm -hmm. other things you also mentioned is Around creating more personalized customer experiences and doing that at scale, and also being able to report ROI to uh, you know executives to actually demonstrate the value of the technology. One thing I also liked is about predicting customer needs, and so by actually being better at evaluating metrics and looking at outcomes, being able to actually see where customers are going, what they, whether they may actually do with the next click and whether they are going to be able to, from being just passive and nurturing prospect and potentially becoming customers, right? So the technology is also able to monitor that customer engagement and seeing what some of the outcomes might be.
1: Yeah, that's a really hard thing for humans to do. I mean, you know, if I wanted to think about, let, let's say you subscribe to, to our newsletter and maybe you've signed up for a webinar how do I then know what what your intent is? Like, where are you in your journey? Are you just trying to understand AI? Are you looking to buy new tools? Are you potentially someone who would come to our conference or buy an online course? Like, I have no idea. And so as marketers, we try and write these rules to figure this out. So I build lead scores and I look at you know intent and I I think if she read this article, she might be interested in these three articles. Like, I do these things. And if I were doing that one time for one person, maybe I could be pretty good at it. If I have a thousand or 10,000 or 30,000 Sabines, like I have, I have to try and personalize all of these things to you to get you to what your goal is, not what my goal is, but like, what is your goal for being here? It's, it's impossible. Like, it's not even like if I had enough hours, like it is like literally impossible for the human mind to personalize that many experiences. So, yeah, I think AI, uh, tied to customer experience and personalization is, what every brand should be thinking about um, regardless of industry. Uh, It's just an essential aspect and there's different elements on the spectrum. Like I'm not trying to go for, you know, complete uh, personalization one-to-one to to start. It could be like just in my newsletter, it could be recommending content on my site, or it could be the the conversational agent that you interact with that it knows you're a customer or it knows your last five actions on the site versus the same bot popping up for everybody and doesn't even know if it's a customer or not. Little things like that. So there's different things you can do, but having an intentional approach to personalization is a, a really important aspect of modern businesses.
0: You mentioned good approach to business. I would love to for us to look at the negative side of our mm-hmm. AI. You know, uh, we often read about ethical AI, and you mentioned already about deepfake. So, what's your view around where the world is going when we start looking at some of the positive and potentially negative part of artificial intelligence? A little bit at like ex machina, the positive yeah.
1: side of things. So the tagline for our marketing conference is more intelligent, more human. So from the beginning, my approach has been that we are going to give marketers and business people superpowers that AI will give you superpowers of personalization and prediction in particular, predict behaviors, outcomes, you can learn to manipulate emotions to trigger actions and behaviors that you want as a marketer. Um, So our approach has been to teach people tools and, and and technologies and understanding, so they use AI responsibly. And like anything, I mean, when we go back to the advent of the internet in the 90s, really, from, you know, as a consumer perspective internet, if you would have said, hey, there's gonna be a dark web, we're gonna create this internet and there are gonna be people that build a dark web that do horrible things, uh, should we still build the internet? Generally speaking, we would probably say, yeah, we still gotta build it. The, the positives of the internet existing are what far outweigh the fact that there's a dark web? I feel we're at a similar place with AI. I could sit here and list dozens of ways this is going to go horribly wrong. Um, it, it will be on full display in the next election cycles in different countries, uh, particularly in Americas where I am. i It's going to be bad. Um, does that mean we shouldn't pursue AI and keep keep going? No, because I think at the end of the day, the net positive will be there if we take a collective effort to ensure that a net positive occurs, but there will absolutely be negatives. There will be downsides to it. Um, we've seen it time and time again already, and it's, it's going to get worse. And so what we need is more people in business and in society that understand what it is, that understand images can be faked, videos can be faked, misinformation can be spread like wildfire written by machines, promoted by machines. Like it is already our reality. This is not future looking stuff. This is today. This stuff can be done. And we need people to understand that. So before you hit the retweet button, it's like, maybe this isn't real. Like we need, we need that lens, that filter from people to accept that what you see online may not be real. Um, And it's hard for the social networks to keep up with the bad actors. Um, It is an arms race right now
0: yeah and you said that it's a human choice so we need to be wearing we need to be educated and we need to be able to identify and recognize uh ethical poor ethical behavior which is interesting i think so paul book again right i think you have five core steps around Mm -hmm. how you actually implement artificial intelligence within the marketing environment which i think some of those capability, those 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 themes would could apply in implementing artificial intelligence in other function of the business. But For please, sure. can you tell us a little bit more what those five steps are?
1: Yeah, the way we looked at it is in the early days, we were trying to identify use cases to make AI more approachable. So I could explain things that you do every day. So it's like, oh, OK, I, I do those things. It makes sense. I think I understand AI a little bit better now. So we looked at categories, so like, let's create use cases in tech under advertising and communications and, um, email and social and SEO and all these things, but at a macro level, to your point, we wanted it to be broadly applicable to anyone in business. And so it's more of thinking about at a higher level. Where are the areas of the business that AI can play a role? And so that's where I identified planning, which is building intelligence strategies where AI is infused into the strategy and decision-making of the company. We had production, which is the creation of content. It could be emails and sales. It could be conversational chatbot experiences, anywhere where content is being created. Then we had personalization, which we've talked a lot about the consumer experience from beginning all the way to customer and beyond. How are you, how are you using AI to build a, a better experience for them? Promotion is all the ways we promote what we're creating. Advertising obviously is a key play there. Social media would factor in and then performance rather than a marketer or a CEO having to sit there and look at spreadsheets or even just BI charts. Like I want the, I want insights. I want to know what does it mean? What is actually happening? So how do we extract insights and how do we make smarter decisions for our business based on that performance? So planning, production, personalization, promotion, and performance were sort of these five P's that we identified where everything sort of falls under there.
0: And this is, you know, very good because there are five P's and people like frameworks and things they can remember. So planning, production, personalization, promotion, and performance are the key levers of implementing artificial intelligence within at least marketing environment. So now... I want to talk to you about technology, Paul. So can we share some tips around, you know, some of the great tools which are being used to achieve those great outcomes and enable marketing teams, small or big, to scale and achieve results? Because I guess the result of a marketing team would be lead generation, increased users, and enabling, I would say, sales team to be successful as well.
1: Yeah, so I'll just, you know, we're a small business. I have five employees at the Marketing AI Institute, but we work, as you mentioned, or, you know, we've talked before, but we work with Fortune 100 companies um, in terms of educating their teams on how to apply AI. So we're thinking about the application of AI at a small business level, but, and, and practicing at a small business level. So it is a very approachable and accessible thing for us smaller businesses, but we're also teaching massive teams how to use it. So when I think about our business, we use probably over a dozen AI tools um, right now. A couple of my favorites, Descript, which is just D E S C R I P T. Um, it's like 19 bucks a month for, for basic license. What it does is transcription of all audio. So we our podcasts and webcasts we transcribe within there. It enables us to do editing, video and audio editing, um, where we were previously outsourcing that for you know four or five hundred a month. We now produce our own podcasts and webinars using that tool. It has insane things like filler word removal. So it'll like, it would remove that like, ums, likes, things like that. It can actually remove them out of video. So you just hit a button and it removes all the filler words. You can basically deepfake yourself. You can put text in and it'll show you saying something you never said, like just crazy. So if you just want to see a bunch of really interesting use cases, Descript.com is a great one. Market Muse we use for content strategy and production helps us figure out what to create and then builds briefs of what to write about within them. And then we use a number of, uh, writing tools like Jasper, copy.ai. They're all GPT three powered tools, which is a a large language model that helps create content. And then we've been experimenting a lot with these image generation tools like Dolly two, where I, for, for my keynote at Macon, I use Dolly two to create all the images for the deck. And then I showed them, that's what I did. And we're thinking about it for our blog posts and ads and social shares, we're we're playing around with using AI generated images for all of that stuff. So just a little sneak preview of some of the ones we use every day at the Institute.
0: That's super cool. I'm going to take and try some of those and we can have another conversation. (laughs) I do actually have tried Jasper and I get my team to use Jasper and mostly for um, creating the IDA and the past model you know sometimes you don't have like the mojo to write a post and um to actually write it in such a way that people would pay attention to so i like jasper actually to give you some ideas around how to frame a good ada ada or a past type model marketing model for my team another one actually i also like is um The uh, lately, right, automation. So, you know, some people will use um, a platform such as, you know, Buffer. I am a lately girl because I manage so many different campaigns and I like the numbers. And what I say to Katie is like, make sure this is working because I need my numbers for the year, not just for a month. But there are great AI tools out there which allows you to take time out of your day to allow you to do things better. And um, some of the new tools you shared with us, we are going to check them out as well. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Paul. But so last few words, what would be your word of wisdom for people listening to this podcast and wanting to know more, become better at marketing, leveraging some of the amazing tools which are there?
1: I just encourage people to be curious and explore it. So as I said earlier, we're very early, like, don't feel like you're way behind. I teach an intraday for marketers class every few weeks. It's just a free online class. We've had, I think like 4,700 people register for the first 14 of these. I started doing them in November. And I tell people on those like all the time, like you're, you're at the very beginning, the fact that one, you can learn this stuff basically in 30 minutes, like the foundation of it in 30 minutes. So it is not like you have to invest a year to figure this out the comprehension stuff can happen in as little as 30 minutes to an hour of like, okay, I I think I understand it and go find some tools to experiment with. And then you're in the competency phase where now you're actually like testing it yourself and you can get there very quickly. And because so few people have figured this out, whether you want to be a change agent within your organization and you're in a bigger company and you want to like drive this change and take kind of ownership of, of infusing AI, you probably have the opportunity to do that, to create your own career path. And if you're already a leader in an organization, you can confidently take the lead in evolving your organization and your team and finding ways to build smarter solutions, uh, to integrate AI across different areas of your business. So I just encourage people don't be intimidated by this. It is not actually that abstract of a thing to understand. It's just smarter tech that builds smarter businesses. So take the initiative, just go read a book, go take a, po- you know, listen to a podcast, do a webinar, whatever it is, just do the next thing. And then start connecting the dots yourself, find the parts of AI that inspire you. If it's creative tools, maybe it's automation, whatever it is, and do it, like just try it. And then, you know, really start you know, moving forward from there. So just get started is, is my biggest piece of advice.
0: Yeah. And you I mean, what you also said, you know, some tools are like $20 or whatever. So in the year's time is 200 250 I mean, some of those tools are so cheap, you know, once upon a time, but well, we would not have been able to build businesses and marketing functions with so little dollar amount, right? You have to recognize it's it's possible today to have a valiant function with superpowers, super as you call them.
1: Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. It's a very accessible thing now. And again, three, five years ago, it was not, but there are hundreds of tools that are in the free trial mode or, you know, month to month with low cost. So there's really no excuse not to experiment.
0: Exactly. So what would be your final words of wisdom? Mm -hmm.
1: I I think it's going to be a really interesting three to five year run. I I think we're going to see a lot of innovation. I think we're going to see a lot of um, transformation of existing businesses. And I think we're going to see a lot of new businesses emerge that see opportunities to build smarter versions of what exists in the industry already. And so I'm looking at, you know, you know, your domain insurance, uh, financial services, retail marketing agencies, creative shops, disruptions coming for all of them. And it's either going to come from existing companies within those industries, or somebody's going to build a smarter version of it. And so I just think there's so much opportunity for investors, for entrepreneurs. For creatives. Um, and I, for one, just like I- I'm anxious to see it, but I want to see it done right. And I-, I hope enough of us have that responsible AI lens at all times so we can achieve that net positive outcome that we think is possible with AI. I
0: have a, a key question to ask you.
1: Okay.
0: So imagine you're back at university or school studying mm-hmm. journalism. And you are asked to stand up on stage to give your thesis on, you know, your learning as a journal- journalist to be, right? Maybe working for the time or fortune or Forbes. Now look back to where you are today. What would you say to that journalist on stage about who he would be?
1: Oh, man. So for me personally, like, Going back in time and today, I wouldn't have pictured any of this. That's for sure. Um, I think it's the tech now, what I've always done in my career, what I would advise people to do is don't let the technology like dictate who you are and what you're going to be, but you have to accept that what's possible is driven by the technology. And so what I thought a career in journalism or storytelling may have looked like back in 2000 when I graduated college. Yeah. what it looks like today to what I would go teach people at journalism school today, and I've had, I've had this conversation with journalism school people, um, the future four years from now, like, I don't even know how you teach that, <laughs> like it is it, the fundamental principles of journalism still be there, but the technology of how we do storytelling is, is almost hard to comprehend four years out. I have trouble sometimes four months out. So I think I would just. The, the what I was saying with the next remark market, you have to embrace change always like continuous change. Um, and the more you do that, the better advantage you're going to have to see opportunities to do interesting things in your career, to write interesting stories and build interesting businesses. Like it comes from just being in tune with what technology is enabling, um, and then finding ways to not let it control you, but to like do positive things with the technology. So.
0: Very wise world. So, if our change makers all want to find you, where do they go?
1: Uh, Marketing Institute is the best place to learn just about a lot of the things we talked about today. But LinkedIn and Twitter are the two social platforms I'm most active. So I, I stay uh, pretty active on LinkedIn daily. So if people want to reach out, connect, let me know. You heard you know, heard this podcast. Lo- I always love to hear from people that listen to podcasts. Um, So yeah, those would be the two main places, Twitter and LinkedIn. And they're just both under my name. You can search for my name and find it.
0: Perfect. And I will add the information for people to find you on the podcast. So Paul, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. I loved it. All those words of wisdom. I am going to check some of those tools you shared with us. (laughs) And I'll tell you how I'm doing. (laughs) I love it. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Sabine. Thank you.